Hey Hawks fans, Luke Bruce here. CJ here. Jarman here. If you love the Hawks, then you need to be connected to the Hawks Insiders. It's got all the latest news, match recaps, interviews and specialised content written by the Hawks fans for the Hawks fans. Make sure you subscribe. Get your daily dose of Hawthorne content into your inbox. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Here from Jarman MP for the Insiders. Hi everyone, good evening, welcome to Hawks Insiders, your Wednesday night safe space, our second episode for season 2024, or soon to be season 2024. My name's Ashley Brown and it is wonderful to have you all, members of the Brown and Gold universe, with us tonight. Believe it or not, they will be playing Fennec and footy in a month from now. It's warm and balmy outside. Uh, they're still allegedly playing cricket, but uh, the earliest start of the AFL season in history is nearly upon us. So everything is ramping up. I think reading the papers and online, there's essentially a lot more footy content out there to consume. So it really does mean the season is drawing closer. I am joined by uh, down a couple of soldiers tonight, but a couple of the trusted, hardy, popular ones. Ones with all the knowledge are here with me tonight. Firstly, on the controls, Andrew Weiss, hello. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everyone. Uh, yes, definitely can't hide behind the quality of Prinzi or Daz or Mara tonight. But, um, yeah, I think I think what you're saying in terms of, of the excitement uh, with it getting closer has probably been inflated this week because since we spoke last week, there have been at least half a dozen... Good news articles in the mainstream media. Good evening, all. Yes, some nice uh, content released by our footy club and through the media the last few days. Very exciting. Good article. Mitch uh, Lewis was quoted in the paper today with some positive thoughts. He seems to be 100% fit at this time of year, which is rare for him, which is a big positive for us. So, yeah, good times. Bring on round one and the Bombers. It's all happening very, very soon. Um, let's do the housekeeping first. We see I couldn't hear before. Hopefully I can hear now. How is the live show going on March 13? Have you got me now? Can you hear me? Yep. I can hear you, AC. I've got a feeling it might just be Ash. Uh, Ash that can't hear me. Um, Ash, can you hear me? Uh, he's, you know what? He's jumped off. He's going to jump back on. Um, Give but... us an update, Princey, for March 13. Oh, Princey, Weezy. Uh, yeah, well, I can tell you that there are not many tickets left to be sold for the 13th. We are into teen, eight, teen figures, so we're less than 20 tickets uh, to go. So if you haven't already bought your tickets... Um, we certainly released throughout the week that Stephen Quartermain will be joining us. Great Hawthorne personality. Um, Ash knows him pretty well. Great Hawthorne man. Um, been part of mainstream media for over 40 years. And I can tell everyone that we have absolutely locked in a, a huge Hawthorne football club name. We will be dropping that over the next couple of weeks. We've got um, we've we've currently got four of our six confirmed, and they're all big names. So if you haven't bought the tickets, there are eighteen left to sell. 
So make sure you get on board. It's going to be a brilliant night, not just for the panel, but to all be in the same room together to be able to really get into the mood ahead of the game a few days later for round one against the Bombers. Can you hear me now, Ash? I can hear beautifully. I don't know what was going on there. Um, and bring your appetite and bring your thirst as well. The people at the Glen Ferry Hotel have actually bumped off a regular event to accommodate us. So the least we can do is to put a bit of money through uh, their uh, their tills as well. So uh, have a meal, have a drink, and uh, it should be a very, very fun night. We have a guest tonight who will be joining us in about uh, – 25 minutes, Ollie Hanrahan, Hawthorne player of several years, retired or finished up with the club a couple of years ago. He uh, he wants to come on and have a chat about uh, something he's doing in the coaching space. We'll get him to talk about the Hawks in a bit of detail as well. He'll be with us in a little bit of time. Um, in the meantime, it's been a funny old week for the Hawks. They uh, they finished their camp, the, uh, their training camp down at Torquay this time last week, then had four days off and then have been back at the club the last few days. But unless I'm mistaken, they haven't really had any major training sessions or matched him since then, if I'm wrong. And I've sort of been a bit distracted by a few other events in the last couple of days, to be fair. Uh, Mick or someone wants to jump on and give us a bit of a training update on what they might have seen since they've been back. I know they returned on Monday, at least did a, some sort of skill session then. But uh, there's been no shortage of Hawthorne in the media. The comms team have been very active in, in putting them out there. And the uh, the big question marks and the big talking point really, it's something we've been focusing on for a while, is a lot of the talk around how the forward lines are coming together and uh, some big statements from uh, uh, from Mitch Lewis, uh, Brad, that he thinks things might be coming together nicely. Yeah, he spoke highly of our forward setup uh, for the upcoming season. You know, spoke about a few of the players. Obviously, uh, Dim is going to start uh, the season uh, as a forward. Uh, Watson, he said, is very uh, uh, lively. Uh, Jack Ginevan, our new uh, recruit from uh, the Pies, has impressed him. Uh, Gunston as well, um, who I believe Mick might be able to confirm, but I think the video released by the club, Gunston spent a bit of time in the back line. So I don't know if he's going to be used as a swing man. I know he played a bit of that role at the lines in the back half of the season as well. So um be interesting to hear Mick's comments. Mick, you there? Yep. Hi, Brad. Hi, guys. Yeah, they had a normal training session Monday. Um, Gunston was actually started in the rehab group with uh, Wingard, Tucker, Stevens, and uh, Seamus. Um, but both Gunston and Mitchell went into the match sim later. Uh, but Gunston actually spent more time coaching in the match sim than playing. He did he did push down in the back half at one stage, but didn't line up in the back half, if that makes sense. Um, played that, fo- that floating behind the ball role. Um, Sis wasn't there. He's still on his honeymoon, I think. Um, and Bailey McDonald, we saw the news on him as well. And Will Day was floating around on uh, a moon boot and one crutch. Um, so they did match sim full ground for about uh, one 15-minute session, basically. As I said, Bruce watched on, Butler ran laps. Um, and without Sicily there, the back half was quite interesting to look at. Um, I'm taking the gauge on the forward line where Lewis and Chole play as being the key forwards and describing that as sort of the main team. So you had Blank on Lewis, Weddle on Hardwick, Sarong on Chole, Scrimshaw on C-Mac, and Ippy looked to play a loose um, half-back role with the midfielder pushing up or the half-forward pushing up into the midfield by looks. 
Um, but again, they were down on numbers because um, they didn't have any top-up players from Box Hill. And there was a video as well people might have seen that um, Ned McGuinness has finished his period of time with the Hawks. He's gone back to play with Sandy. Um, Ginevan and Watson played up the other end of the ground. Interestingly, Ramson and Reeves were the rucks. Um, there weren't too many set of square setups. I seem to do a lot of um, ball ups and throw in sort of um, setups to start the, the match scene activities. Um, and then uh, they went into the wing to wing match scene where they played two 15 minute halves. Uh, and that's basically the width of the centre square. So it's pretty tight for room. Um, and there the lineup was again, it was interesting. That looked to be about 15 on 15. And that was Chol on. Charles Hardwick and Ginevan and Bennett's played in one forward half against Weddell, Ryan, Frost, McCabe and DGB. Um, interestingly, DGB, McCabe and Frost at various times took on Chol, and I thought McCabe played him the best um, in that he didn't go shoulder to shoulder on Chol. The others tried to go shoulder to shoulder or back shoulder and he just out-muscled them or did them on the lead, whereas McCabe, uh, played off him a little bit and tried to use his athleticism to come over the top, which I thought was quite interesting from a development perspective. Um, but again, it was you know three or four minutes each in that in that sort of um, activity. And then the other end was Lewis Watson, Moore, and Deer up against Scrimshaw, Amon, Sarong, Blank, and D'Ambrosio. Um, D'Ambrosio took on Watson, uh, which is an interesting little uh, battle. Uh, again, Watson was very good in both both activities. Um, and the wings, CJ, uh, McGuinness, Morrison and C-Mac. Um, Reeves sat out that activity, so then it was Meek playing in the ruck against Ramsden. Um, and CJ, again, was prominent, particularly in, you know, to use the Gary Ayres expression, in heavy traffic, he looked really good. Um, and the other, probably the other observation I made was um, they had no additional running. They haven't... They didn't do any additional running in the session before they went down to Torquay. Now, I'm pretty sure they would have done stuff when they were away. But, you know, again, there was no heavy session at the end, no heavy running session. Um, and, as I, and as I said, Gunston did a fair bit of coaching, particularly with, uh, did some stuff with Kelsha Deer in that activity. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting um, sort of session without Sicily there to see how the back half operated. How are you? What are your thoughts on Chol? Having watched him, he's been sort of back in full training for a few weeks now. Is he? Is he what? Is he just what they need? Is he tracking nicely? Is he? Is he going to be the 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 Chol who kicked 44, 46 goals, whatever it was, for Gold Coast in twenty twenty two when he didn't have Ben King around? Ah, uh, yeah, it's a hard one, Ash, because as I said, the three key defenders don't match up well on him. You know, we don't have a a big, heavy, you know, strong defender, Blanky. He's probably the best of them, but he's not that strong when you put him up against Chole. Um, his agility is very good, you know, and he's and he can flash, you know, he's flashing in what he does. Um, he looks much better, I've got to say, post Christmas than before Christmas. Um, so his knee must have settled down and he's gone from there. Like, you, know, you watch it, I think I said last week, you know, in between drills, he'll pick up a ball from 50 metres out and knock it through post high. And then you know, and step it around the corner. So, and if people saw the vision of him tackling McKenzie um, from a couple of weeks ago, he looks you know, again. He looked aware and matched him. So, it's a pot. Yeah, you know, I think he offers more than Kaczynski. Does he offer as much as say, yeah, you know, 
pick an elite forward, I don't know whether he gets to that level. But um, he definitely gives better option. A couple of players have been talking about the media. I know it's you know, players, experienced players with interviews will you know, pump up the tyres of a young player. I don't know whether it's by design or by default, but uh, it got a bit of attraction that Cooper Stevens could be a bit of a smoky for round one selection based on something James Warple said about him last week, which I don't think any Hawthorne supporter thinks to be anywhere remotely true. But uh, Mitch Lewis today talked up uh, Henry Hustwaite. From what you said of Hustwaite, how's he tracking and is he a smoky for round one? This is the whole dilemma. Yeah. Who's going to take Day's spot? You know, does, is it McKenzie? Is it McDonald going to the centre, the centre square type stuff? Like, you know, all the all the stuff that I saw written up to you know, smooth mover and evasive and all sort of stuff. Yeah, he, he does all that, no doubt about that. The question then becomes, who is the next cab off the rank really in that in those three or four? Stevens pre Christmas looked really good. You know, interest. You know, again, he went off the track pretty early on Monday. Now with it. And he was in the rehab group, so he didn't actually participate, which is the first session he sort of missed. Um, but again, he'd been playing half forward, more half forward than midfield in the match since up to that point in time. But Husswaite, yeah. And the other thing that's probably stood out a little bit more is it he's been kicking more than what what I'd seen to say at Box Hill. And even in that game against Melbourne, like he kicked the two goals, but he's playing, from my memory, he sort of played half forward for that period of time, or he might have snuck down for one of them. Um, but in the, in the match sim, he seems to be trying to kick the ball more than handball or sort of get a better balance, if that makes sense, rather than being handball first. Ward's the other one, isn't he, Mick? Because we, oh, yeah, we, so we read everything about him literally as we did with, with uh, Will Day 12 months ago that, that he's literally being um, trained up over pre-season to play that inside role. Yeah, that you're right. We, you know, and again, that's probably an assumption I made, or just overlooking as being sort of in the top four or five. You know, there is, you know, it is the one spot, and there's four or five playing for it. You know, if CJ goes to the wing, and if D'Ambrosio plays um, off half back with Amon, sort of interchanging on that other wing, where does that extra spot go? The video of CJ was interesting. He. Uh... He filmed uh, his his trip to uh, Doha uh, with uh, Ender Smith, the world renowned physio, and very high tech stuff happening over there in the Gulf states. With, with so far as um, uh, sports sort of exercise and fitness and that and rehab, um, so the two parts about CJ we'll talk about it for a little bit. So we know he's probably more likely to play on the wing. Um, I have, but do you think, Brad, and we see a question for you, Mick, I'll feel free to jump in as well. He's a beautiful athlete and a wonderful specimen, and he would be tailor-made to be up the wing. Is he smart enough? Does he have, is, he, is he smart enough to play the footy that Sam Mitchell wanted to play? Because his defensive deficiencies were pretty clear playing off half-back. You know, there was sort of two steps forward, one step back a lot of the time in the way he was, and he was almost a liability at one stage with his play across halfback. Do you think he's got the footy smarts to play further up the ground? I definitely think he's got the smarts. I'm not concerned about his athleticism, his ability, his running capacity. My biggest question mark on CJ still is and always has been 
the quality of his disposal. And when he's, you, you know, when he had that good season, it was like he'd turned a corner. But, uh, that, but, but, but the issues of over his disposal have crept into the into back into his game. And even I think it was one of your reports, Mick, you mentioned that it was actually noticeable uh, around the lack of quality of disposal when he had it. And, and obviously he's a bit rusty. He's adjusting to the position. I think he could be an incredible hit on the wing and just provide that extra line of run and carry. We're clearly going to have a, a fast game. My biggest question mark is purely on the quality of his disposal. Yeah, I think he's improved in the last couple of weeks, Weesey, since he's post-Christmas. Pre-Christmas, he, as you say, is rusty. But I think it goes to the point, your last point is probably the key one. Hardwick going forward and playing either Amon D'Ambrosio, one of those guys back, sort of adopting the Collingwood run through, run through the lines. And if Amon and D'Ambrosio play off half-back, then CJ would be the, the link going forward. So if he turns it over, he'd probably turn it, turn it over in the forward 50. And if you've got Chol and Lewis making a contest with Watson, Ginevan, Moore, McDonald, and whoever, Bruce Crumming, you've probably got a chance of you know, creating a goal-scoring opportunity as distinct from when he played last. He was playing off half-back and making a turnover in midfield where blokes got caught out and really got killed on the turnover. Yeah, I think the other part of that, sorry if I might, Ash, um, just jump in, is um, I managed to see a video today actually from uh, the Swish fan parts of Guinea um, just giving an update on how he's going and, and he talked about how he's fully fit and can't wait to get started but that everything that's happening at the moment is fast. We're looking fast. We're looking quick. We're looking exciting. And clearly it is built around, especially, you know, putting Amon back, putting CJ on the wing, having line to line speed and quick ball movement. So so CJ on the wing probably supports that. Yeah. I, I mean, all, the, all you hear out of Hawthorne is how, how when it works, how great the ball movement is. And that's going to be the key this year. It's got to work for longer against better teams. I mean, they took Collingwood by surprise and did it well against Brisbane and Patches. And they destroyed Richmond in a quarter at the MCG with some of the best football they played at, for, at all last year before falling in the heat in the last quarter because they couldn't defend. So that's the next step. And it, it'll be breathtaking at times when it works. It's just got to work uh, more consistently. Another interesting remark that came out, and we've talked about this guy, I think we've written about him as well, is Connor McDonald, who David King has put in very, very elite company, Brad, with uh, as, as one of the best four or five trainers in the entire AFL. Quite remarkable. Yeah, I had a good catch-up with our Kingy um, a couple of days ago. He went on air. He goes to all the training sessions for the Victorian clubs, and he's watched Hawthorne very closely, but he basically said, uh, he mentioned Petrarca, Dacos, and Bontempelli as the three best trainers he's seen so far, the way that they are preparing uh, train. Obviously, they're probably three of the you know best 10 players in the league, but 
He said Connor McDonald trains at the level that those three guys train. Connor's obviously not in the league of those players. Still got a long way to go. But the fact that he spoke about how hard he trains and he can see, you know, the difference between him and some of uh, the other players. Uh, we all know Connor's got the X factor. We see the, the quality there. The key for Connor this season, in my opinion, is last year, we saw him push a bit up uh, the ground, but he predominantly played that high half forward role. If he can go into the midfield and become a midfielder, I think he could be one of our top three best players in the future. It's just finding a spot for him in the midfield. Yeah, well, there's not. Yeah, well, we've uh, we all rate him, but uh, we've sort of talked internally about looking at uh, some of the best twenty twos that meet organisation put out there. We see, and there were we we counted at least two, didn't we? Uh, that didn't have McDonald in their best twenty in Hawthorne's best twenty two. Yeah, and I think that turned into. Um that turned into just a bit of a rehashing of seeing what other people did and then um, rehashing articles that they'd done before Christmas. I remember at the time, like the first three or four that came out didn't have him and it was only Brandon Cohen with his uh, team, obviously knowing Hawthorne well, uh, that had him in. And, I mean, there's a reason what's he played. It's 41 of his 44 games or something, 41 games maybe in his two seasons yeah there's there's a reason for that like it's not even it's not even a question that not only will he not be in the round one team that he won't be playing pretty much every game this year the biggest question will be I think he he might have been oh this is straight off my memory it might have been 12 or 13 last year where he was a started as a sub um and, uh, you know, the the only question will be based on form. And, you know, Mick's already talked about the depth in the midfield. When you look at that forward line and that starting six, that might not even include, uh, for example, Dylan Moore, who's going to play across across both roles. The, the bench is actually going to be stocked. And, and then we're going to have four or five of our next best not in the team that are all going to be good. So the depth is starting to get there. The only question with Con is whether or not he's going to have to have uh, a period of time uh, playing as a sub from a rotation point of view. But uh, he's, uh, I think I said it last year, he could be, he could actually be, for me, the best of the crop. Like he is that good. He's who I'm putting all of my shares in. Uh, and I think that it's going to be a huge year for him. Can't wait to see him uh, go well. Um, bit of news from the club, just from talking to people in and outside Hawthorne. I don't think we should be looking to see Will Day anytime soon. I don't think he'll be there for round one. In fact, I suspect he probably is likely to miss uh, the four, first four weeks of the season. I think he's probably the way they seem to be thinking Hawthorne, probably uh, sometime around gather round. I think that like he, he would love to come back for gather round as a South Australian. He missed it last year because he was suspended. So that, I think, is likely to be the aim. A bit disappointed he won't play very early on, but uh, they have depth and no one at Hawthorne sees it all that, as much as you know, he's a rated Peter Crimmins medalist and, uh, you know, a, a budding superstar of the game. But uh, they seem to be quite excited to see how it could work without him. So, and as we've been discussing already a couple of times this year, they have plenty of options. Patrick, good evening. I was just going to say, firstly, um, 
He's moved on to one crutch and he looks like he's weight-bearing but still in a moon boot. The other thing I was going to say about um, training on Monday, it looked like when they were moving to their um, lines, Meek was in the forward line, so I don't know if he was playing forward and that's why Ramston and Reeves were in the ruck. Well, I think Mick um, has actually mentioned a few times in his notes, and Mick, you've been at uh, so many sessions this preseason. I think Meek, you've mentioned, has played quite a bit up forward over the preseason. I don't know if that is um, thinking. I mean, we've got Chol, who you'd think is potentially the second ruck, but that maybe, maybe at some point they would be thinking about a second ruck resting forward that might be Meek. I, I I don't know that they could play Meek, Chol, Lewis in the one forward line. You know, their mobility would be really um, over, overburdened, so to speak. Meek did a little bit in the ruck, as I said, in the second match in, uh, on Monday, as Patrick said, and he has predominantly done forward work. Um, when they've done full match sim with the umpires there, it has been Meek and Reeves in the being the two opposing ruckmen, ruckmen, and then Ramsden has been the chop out. So that was that's why it was interesting on uh, Monday when they did the full ground. There were no AFL umpires. It was um, Ramsden and Reeves to start with. Um, now whether it's just giving Ramsden an opportunity, then, uh, that's something to probably have a watch on. I think you'd have to assume you'd have to assume that, and and the notion that. Should anything happen to Reeves, and he's had his share in his short career of, of injuries, and um, and I don't think anyone would put their house on him going through a full season yet injury free. Um, that should that happen, you've got a ready-made monster in Meek ready to go and 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 um, play full time. But I think you're you're spot on in terms of the versatility. Up forward, um, it becomes very, very top heavy. Otherwise, Ash, yes, I'm here now. A uh, bit of news out of the club also is that uh, Daniel Webster has been appointed as the AFLW senior coach. Liam, if you're listening, this is your cue to jump on and have a quick chat about him. Um, he brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to the top job, having most recently overseen the Brisbane Lions AFLW midfield group for the past two seasons, which culminated in AFLW Premiership just three months ago, uh, coached the Lions Academy and the Queensland State Academies. Uh, so clearly what they've done is take a person who was very influential from a very, very powerful, successful um, AFLW program and brought him into Hawthorne. And uh, we see it looks to me like a very, very good appointment. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's not necessarily the um, the emotional one because obviously there had been some drums beating about half being very much in the mix, but um, you only need to look at his CV, CV his resume, um, and what he's done in the past to to say that yeah, he he clearly looks like he'll be a wonderful appointment and. Uh, it is a new era for the women's team and fingers crossed we can, you know, that we've been building for a couple of years, start start turning it into um, some more success on field. Yeah, he um, he's a great, uh, a great teaching coach, I think. That's what we're probably going to need. I mean, he's got to take that uh, 
next step. The Beck got out retiring abruptly. She did. I'm not sure what the story is. I would love to know if there's a a deeper story to all that because it was very abrupt. And you know, she was such a key part of the club uh, for two years to sort of walk away like that. And there hasn't been a lot of reporting about it ever since. You wonder whether there was any anything uh, uh, out of the ordinary in all of that. But um, they we've got to- Liam. We've got Liam on board, Ash. So yeah, well, let's. Uh, Liam, firstly, uh, welcome back. Happy New Year. Are you happy with this appointment? Uh, and to you, people, uh, I'm elated with this appointment. I We were linked with two Daniels. This is the one I was very much hoping for, to be honest, between the two. Um, his resume of those who applied, again, I was on record saying I would have loved Sean Dunkel, the Port Melbourne VFLW coach. I don't know if he applied. But Daniel Webster, he coached the Lions midfield for three seasons. He had four All-Australians in that time, two league best and fairest in three seasons in his midfield. He loses Emily Bates from his midfield and they go to win a flag the next year. Um, the Lions pounded the ball inside 50 like no other side ever has in season seven under his under his tutelage in the middle. Um, the three seasons, yes, they've had a talent advantage over most of the comp, but you know they've lost a prelim by less than a kick, a grand final by less than a kick and a flag. You know, he has coached elite men as well in the quaffle. Absolutely, he's taken to premierships. The Lions went unbeaten against the big three last year. Um, I'm super happy with this appointment. I think Emily Bates, Greta Bodie, he's pretty close with him. They've obviously, you know, they've been around the absolute elite of the elite in this competition in terms of training, in terms of ability, in terms of performance. So if they've recommended him, it's, it's pretty hard to go past, in my opinion. Yeah, they seem like they've. Uh, I mean, the beauty, I guess, of AFLW coaching because of the short season, you can really take your time with your appointment. And Hawthorne certainly looked like they did their due diligence before making the appointment. So uh, we welcome him to Hawthorne. I see that uh, I read an article the AFL's up because it's such a long off season that a lot of the AFLW teams actually already training, even if it's informally and if it's only once a week. So I'd imagine that the Hawthorne girls are already putting the yards in. Um, ahead of the new coach coming to start. I mean, I'm not sure when form preseason probably doesn't start for another two to three months. I It'll start in about May. It's a four, I think from memory, having read the CBA, I think it's a 14-week preseason plus two weeks induction. Or it might be 12 plus two. Uh, the season's probably going to start late August. So working back, it's probably mid to late May, probably mid-May that the preseason will formally start ahead of the season. Obviously, the VFLW starts... Uh, the second last week of March, last second last weekend of March. So it'll be nice for the VFLW crew to get some action and Daniel Webster to start seeing what he can do with the crew in the, in the State League. What are the rules around um, AFLW players playing VFLW? Is it allowed to be a bit of a de- development league? Can any of the younger players play uh, some of the VFLW season or are the squad's entirely different? Uh the answer is both. Uh, the VFLW has its own separate list, which once the AFLW preseason starts, we'll probably we probably won't see any AFLW players because they need written permission and there's various rules around that. Uh, I think there are limits. I need to double check out what they are. To be honest, off the top, I don't know off the top of my head on how many can play in a given week, but any AFLW player can play in the VFLW. So I'd be expecting a fair whack of the list to get a bit of a run out. I'd, you know, I'd expect players who didn't play as much last year. For example, Bridget Deed, who I'm on record as really rating and do really rate her. I reckon she'll get a pretty good run out. 
uh, among others who didn't play a game, many games. Um, I do think most players will probably get a run out at some point just because the season last year was so short. It was only 10 games. Uh, it'll be 11 this season under the CBA. So I'd expect most players will want, you know, a bit less than nine months between games, competitive games of Australian football. So they'll probably, most players, if they're fit and available, I would expect to play at least a couple of games. But I'm not 100% sure of the precise rules. But I think there'll be about, Last year, I think it was up to around 10. There were AFLW players playing. I would, at a guess, think it's probably going to be around similar this year. So if you if people have time and can get down and support the VFLW crew as well, get there. We'll be covering it every week on Soaring to New Heights in some way, shape or form. So we'll be all over that and get around the crew as well because they're building something pretty good at Box Hill. Terrific. Thanks, Liam. Thanks for joining us. We'll, uh, we'll get you back on the AVFLW season for a quick preview. No uh, problem. Yes. We've got we've got apps coming as well about VFLW, AFLW. We've got plenty coming for you guys as well over on Soaring to New Heights. Thanks, Liam. Terrific. Good to chat to you, mate. Thank you. Oliver Hanrahan, Ollie Hanrahan, is uh, with us, uh, Hawthorne champ for a few years. Uh, Ollie, good to be with, good to have you with us. Good evening. G'day, Ash. How are you going? I'm very, very well. Very happy when you reached out the other day saying you want to come on and have a bit of a chat. Um, so what we'll do initially yeah. is you want to have a chat about what you're up to these days. We'll give, give you a bit of a plug. I'm going to talk about a couple of players and while you get, tell us a couple of stories. You know, we, we haven't yeah. had anybody who's no longer, who's been part of the club till quite recently and would know a lot of the players and coaching staff, what have you. We want to get you, tell us a couple of stories, you know, things you will tell your mates okay. over a beer. So, but firstly, what are you up to these days and, and what, uh, you're going down the coaching path yourself? That's good. Yeah, I've just been, yeah, just started up a, um, a, a one-on-one coaching, um, yeah, coaching business. And you can do group sessions as well, but I just thought, um, yeah, I wanted to reach out to you and to put it to, you know, a few Hawthorne fans if anyone wanted to, yeah, jump on board or was interested. And, um, yeah, it's a bit of like a mentoring thing too for for young athletes just to, yeah, get a better understanding of the game and maybe teach them things that they wouldn't really learn at their local footy clubs. So, um, yeah, I've just started that and got back from the UK about a month ago. So, um, yeah, I've just been busy yeah, traveling and haven't watched much footy lately, but um, I hear the boys are going really well and I've run into a few of them lately and they, yeah, they seem really keen for this year and expecting big things. So tell us about what, one, so one-on-one coaching footy, what sort of things can you work on with a coach? I, thought, you know, I know you know, players go, yeah, they're, mm. certainly before the soft cap, um, there was a load of coaches at a footy club, they're starting to get the numbers back now, but what sort of aspects of a footballer's game, give us a team game to a large degree, what, what, what can be achieved in a one-on-one environment, one-on-one coaching environment? Yeah, so it's it's pretty much like, you know, it can be positional too, so, you know, if I'm working with a player who's a forward, just teaching him forward craft work and and advice I got from the coaches at Hawthorne, um, so I thought it'd just be a good idea to, to do it um, in my spare time, because I've got all this, look, I've got all this knowledge of all the craft and the little things that got taught at AFL level that I didn't know before I got there. And I thought it'd be great to, to share with, you know, young players growing up or yeah, even older players, wherever, whatever level, but um, yeah, just working on, you know, not, not major things with their game, but just little things which might make them, you know, five, 10% better. What age groups are you pitching it at? Um, it's mainly oh, any, anywhere from, you know, 12 to, 12 to 18, I'd say. It's interesting because I um, 
I see, you know, a, a park near where I live. Yeah. Uh, I'm often walking the dog. Soccer has been, I've seen for years, I've seen clearly uh, one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one soccer training taking place. And people who want to get a, a, a get ahead in that sport have been doing this for a very long time. I only reckon in the last 12 months or so that I'm now starting to see sort of uh, footy-related activities that clearly yeah. off-season coaching um you know, small groups and one-on-one footy taking place as well. It seems like footy's been a bit slow to, to, to get into that market. Yeah, and absolutely. That's why I um, – that was actually a big reason as to why I wanted to do it because um, I, d- I don't see much of it really happening. And um, I think people think with footy it's a team game, you know, got to be around other players. But you can get so much out of just a one-on-one session with a coach. And, you know, you're probably kicking the footy more than what you would in a team training session too. So um, – yeah, I think it's a really good opportunity, and I think over time, I think there'll be more people who will get into it. Ollie, uh, oh, sorry, Ash. No, go ahead, Wizzy. I was going to say, seen you plenty of times down at Hurlingham Park. Yeah, um, cricket related <laughs> as well. So, are we talking? Are we talking Bayside locations in Victoria? And um, I guess just in terms of our listeners, giving them an idea on costs involved in, in this sort of training just to mm. um to give yourself a plug from that point of view. Yeah, so um mainly Bayside, but I'm more than happy to to travel, you know, all over all over Melbourne to be honest. If if yeah, if someone's really keen, I'm not to yeah, I'm not gonna cut out an area or anything like that. But um I've been doing sixty dollars for a session which goes for an hour. Um and and yeah so I've had a few, yeah. I've had a lot, yeah, a lot of clients already, and um, yeah. So I've got about, I think, ten or twelve that I'm regularly seeing, um, and I've only started about a few weeks ago. But yeah, more than happy for a few, yeah, Hawks fans to jump on board if if they're keen. What um, well, and what do you got to bring? Just bring a bring a pair of boots. You provide all the gear, and they got to bring a footy with them. And no, um, yeah. So I've yeah, just bring your Bring a pair of boots, um, yeah, water bottle runners, and I've got all the footies and equipment and everything they need. So, yeah, just just your footy boots and and water bottle, and you'll be fine. Do you need some sort of accreditation to AFL, you know, level one, level two to do this sort of thing? I know you obviously played mm-hmm. AFL footy, so you've got a pretty strong and comprehensive knowledge of the game. But do you actually need some sort of accreditation or registration to be able to do it? Yeah, you do. Yeah, so I've I've been doing that. Um, I got my level two last year, but yeah, you do need a accreditation. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, I think they're pretty strict on that now, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I've got mine under control, which is, which is handy to have. And just say you were coaching some, you know, just say some juniors are under 15, under 16. Mm. Would you actually go and watch them play if they wanted you to? Is that part of it? Something you would offer go and watch them train with their team or, you know, get getting sort of as we get towards practice match season. Would you go and do that? To sort oh, of yeah, see? definitely. Yeah, definitely. The deeper into it, I think it's yeah, like a a mentoring thing too. Um, but I think the only tricky thing would be I'm coaching the Wesley first at Ean as well on a Saturday, so that would take up you know that takes up most of my of the day there. But yeah, definitely Sunday footy if I'm around. Um, it's, I think the best thing about coaching is definitely you know seeing someone improve and evolve. So. It would be, yeah, pretty cool to see if they've grown in their game, for sure. 
Oh, so let's talk about this. So you're coaching Wesley in the, the APS football, which you played in it uh, back in your days at, uh, I think you went to St. Kevin's. Yeah. Is APS footy, how does it stack? The first 18 APS footy, that is nearly as good as uh, the coach talent league now, isn't it? The, the standard footy for those 10 weeks of the year. Oh, absolutely. I think, I know back when I was playing, you had, yeah, I think the bottom, the only difference would be, I think the bottom five players at school footy, uh, there's a big drop off from the from the rest, but apart from that, the yeah the school level at school footy is really really good, um, and I think more at school footy you you play for the team a bit more. I think maybe coach league you try to play for yourself maybe and and look for you know some um, yeah recruiting attention. But I know school footy everyone wants to win the premiership and everyone's really keen to to play in yeah school footy because I know. Um, yeah, everyone I've spoken to really loved it and loved their time there. So Wesley College, first 18. Do you play your home games at St Kilda Road or, or out at, uh, out at uh, Glen Waverley? Uh, out at Glen Waverley, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit small St Kilda Road now. I go yeah. half the way to work. It looks like it's a bit tight for senior football now. Yeah, it is a bit small. Um, and the annoying thing is you've got the cricket pitch still in the middle of the ground, which they – which they haven't got rid of yet. So I think, yeah, we're going to be playing most games at Glen Waverley, which is a massive ground. That facility you drive past, that's all, I've also driven past there a couple of times. That is a very impressive piece of uh, piece of land and that big grandstand with big line there. It's uh, yeah. a, a fair bit of money in APS. Who else, so who else coaches? Matthew Lloyd's coaching Halebury. So Matthew Lloyd's um, doing Halebury. Um Oh, who, I'm not too. I'm not too sure about the others, to be honest. But um, I've got Dave Mirror at Wesley too. Of course. Well, he's a. He, I think he went to Wesley, didn't he? he plays for Collegians or did play for Collegians? Yeah. So, so he, yeah, he played for Collegians last year, and now he's. Um, I think he's retired playing, but he's. Yeah, coaching with me as well. And have you start? Have you started preseason? You know, or do they have to play cricket, and row, and water polo, and whatever else they have to do? At those yeah, um, a few. A few of them uh, are still doing cricket, um, but I think even tomorrow morning we've got a training session for the first 18, and it's kind of like a trials. Uh, they're in trial mode at the minute, so I've been, yeah, keenly watching who who's up to it and who's not. But, um, it's yeah, it's been good. I've been at it for, like, two weeks now, and, um, yeah, I think they didn't go that well last year, but I think it's a lot better um, talent-wise there this year, especially with the year 12s. So uh, how much of, how much Elsa Clarkson will have been your coaching? <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I've been trying to copy him so much, but I just, I can't do it. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I've tried everything, but I've got my own method and I've got to stick to that because I don't think anyone can be like Clarko. Well, he's our former teacher at Wesley. Brad, you got a question for, for Ollie? Yeah, Ollie, I'd love to to get your thoughts on uh, uh, Timmy's move into the forward line. You obviously would have trained a bit uh, with him. He probably played on you at uh, training quite a bit. And your thoughts on how our forward line is going to structure in 2024. And if you've had any comments from current players on Watson and uh, Ginnivan as well, being, you know, two new small forwards. Yeah, that's um, that's a good question. I, I was surprised when Dimmer moved uh, down forward too. I... Just because I knew when I played on, on him at training, he was so hard to 
to get a kick on. Like he was such a good defender. Um, but I know as a as a junior, he was, he played mainly forward, and I know he had a really good tack cup year where he kicked like fifty plus goals and was a leading goal kicker. So he knows how to kick goals. But um, but yeah, I think I actually think he'll go all right. Like he's pretty, he's quick off the mark, strong. He'll apply good defensive pressure too, which maybe in the past we've lacked. So I think it could be a really good move. And then, you know, you've got Ginevan and Watson who are probably more of that, like, class and know how to find the goals and um, and that skill. But I, from everyone I've spoken to, they um, have got along with Ginevan and Watson really, really well. And apparently they fit in really well too when they're nice people and um, – and, yeah, I think the Ginevan thing is quite good too. I think it's what Hawthorne needs, a bit of, you know, bit of bit of spark and a bit of um, bit of character, which is good. Um, James Sicily, as captain, has been 12 months in now. Was that um, – what do you think gives him the qualities to be uh, – uh, uh, he, he shaping up to a pretty good captain of Hawthorne. Um, and I won't give you a comment necessarily, but perhaps better than the one or two that uh, might have gone before. But what do you think uh, – Makes gives him the quality to be to be a good AFL captain. Well, I think he's just got that white line fever. Like he's just you know complete competitive beast when he crosses the line, and I think his personality is so different off the field that you um you know he's ve- he's very relatable and very easygoing off the field and and easy to talk to. And I think everyone can can yeah feel pretty comfortable going up to him and having a chat. And I think it's just great that when he goes onto the field. It's like, oh wow, he is a different, complete different guy. And I think people go, all right, well, I've got to step up too and come out of myself to to play the best for the team. So I think that would be the main thing with him. Um, I've, I know when I was there, I voted for him to be the captain in my last year. So I um, I'm massively on him, yeah, for captain. Now I want to ask you. Um... So you're going into this coaching path. What's your favourite Alistair Clarkson story? What's the story that will just stick with you in your mind for, you know, for as long as you can remember and that either you shake your head in amazement, makes you laugh, maybe it makes you a bit tense or angry. What's your favourite Clarkson story from the time you played under him? Oh, this is is tough because there are actually so many. Um, Well, one's just, oh, I used to love his sprays. They were pretty good. Um, I remember one where we're playing Fremantle down in down in Tassie, and we were tagging Nat Fife. Um, and who was I think I think Dan Howe was tagging Fife. And um, and anyway, we came to the rooms at halftime. We were down by a goal, I think, and. Five had like twenty five touches and two goals. Like he was completely dominating, uh, and the tag was not working. And I remember he just came in. We came into the uh, the change room, and normally on the whiteboard you've got like, you know, you've got structures, you've got game plan, what we need to do, how we need to move the ball. And on the whiteboard it just said five question mark. And uh, I just, he just absolutely sprayed, yeah, sprayed us. And I just, I don't know why, but whenever someone asks me about Clarko, I think of that. <laughs> it was just, yeah, it was quite quite a funny day. Were you there in Canberra when he did the uh, the, the shorts, running around the, in the snow in the shorts? 
Oh, yeah, I was there for that too, yeah. Yeah, I was there for that. I was there for a lot of things, but, geez, I don't know. I've got to, I've got to, I feel like I've got to write them down in a diary somewhere and just <laughs> keep them on me so I can bring them out whenever. But, yeah, he was just a, just an entertainer, wasn't he? He was, he was, uh, he was a, a, a great, well, he's a great man, more than a great man. There's someone who's outside the club, and I don't want to, to talk about events and whether you witnessed or saw or heard anything, but is it sad that things are strange between him and the club? It is a bit weird, yeah. I mean, I was probably, um, I, I left right in the middle of all that kind of, you know, that transition period happening. Um, and yeah, it's pre- it is pretty sad just because, you know, he spent his, you know, a lot of his life there and did so much for the club where, um, where, yeah, now, you know, there's, he doesn't feel that comfortable with, with the club. So it's a bit, it's a bit weird. Um, and I know from my time there, he, he loved it and fully embraced it and the club embraced him. So it, yeah, it's pretty sad to see. And hopefully over time it um, it heals up, but yeah, it's definitely pretty sad to see. I've got one last question, and then I know uh, Weesey's got a question before I let you go. Um, and was it plainly obvious from the day he walked into the club for, in 2019 as, as the midfield coach, having been at West Coast, that Sam Mitchell was going to be an AFL coach? Was he just, and they were never going to let him out of the building without giving him the job one day? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think they were, I think that was the plan from the get go, to be honest. Like, yeah, he, he's just so good. Like, he, I know he got rid of me, but like he was just um, he, he like like he is such a good coach. Like, I've got to give him that. Like he knows what he's talking about, the way he communicates with people, and um, and you know, telling you your role, but then just simplifies it and will have a funny story to relate to it. It's just he's gold. Um, so yeah, I think I think they probably did plan it from when he arrived from West Coast. I wouldn't be surprised. And it was clear they could coach, obviously from from day one. Oh, he could, yeah, he could coach. He was, yeah, he he knew what he was doing, yeah. Look, when I was, uh, when I was in the third 18 at Wesley College uh, and he was a groundskeeper at the school, uh, no, no, a a few more connections there to you, Ollie, but I actually had a footy question I want to ask you. Um, Yeah, sure. Because we talked about Guinea and we talked about Watson and we talked about Hardwick going forward and, and kicking goals. As a small forward, like you, you loved, you loved snagging goals. I think you kicked about twenty odd in your AFL career. Have you got a favourite or one that stands out that you think about? Or oh, uh, probably my second game. I think we played Collingwood on a Friday night at the G, um, and we we won by four points. I don't know if you remember, it was back in, back in 2019, I think. Um, kick a couple. And I kicked a couple in the last quarter. And I reckon one of them was like a set shot and got us in front. And I was pretty, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, I was, that was, uh, that was definitely the one. What's Friday Night Footy like? We don't remember. Yeah, I know. It's been a while, hasn't it? Far out. It's just been cricket on the TV. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's been, yeah. It's um when you get a big crowd of you know eighty plus thousand in there, it's um yeah it's pretty cool and you know I think especially when you play like a Collingwood or a Richmond, like the crowd is just unbelievable. Um, 
it's just a diff- complete different feel to a day game. And, um, and you know, you, it's just the nerves are, yeah, definitely higher when you're driving in at night to the G and you've got all the traffic and all that going on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty nerve-wracking now I think about it and don't know how I did it. <laughs> a night game's hard to prepare for because you've got that long wait all day. Do you, that, so many players, I mean, with the footy record, we're doing the player profiles for this year and almost without exception, the players say their preferred mm. time for grand final is 2.30 in the afternoon. Is that because it's just bloody long days sitting around waiting to play a game of footy and the grand final will be 10 times worse? Yeah, I I think so. I think it's got to be because I used to hate the day if we got a day off before, yeah, the day before the game. And I'm like, oh, this is just taking forever. Like, can't the game hurry up already? And even, yeah, even on the day of a game, you wake up at like, you know, 7, 7.30, you're like, you have breakfast and you just, you know, I'm, I'm at home there for two hours waiting. I'm like, oh, I just want to get to the ground already. Um, so I reckon that would definitely, yeah. I'm not surprised what the players say 2.30. Like a night a night grand final would just be the worst wait of all time. Yeah. Well, some would say, well, I, I personally think Twilight's good, but uh, I can understand for a player it would yeah. be a very long day. Oli, this has been fantastic. So if people want to uh, hit you up and uh, make some more inquiries, how do they find you? Um, so you can go to the website, which just got launched a week ago, which is um, ollihanrahancoaching.com. Um, it's just got my phone number and email on there. So if you're keen, um, yeah, you can contact me through that. So, yeah, but... Apart from that, Ash, thank you for having me. It's been great to talk to you no, guys. Always a pleasure to have you on. We'll get you back during the middle of the year, see how you're going and how Wesley's going, more importantly. So good luck with the boys as you uh, get them out of cricket mode into footy mode. And uh, thanks for joining us. Perfect. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. That was Ollie Hanrahan. Good to chat to him as always. Friend of ours here at Hawks Insiders. We're going to wrap things up pretty quickly. But... Um, we see him, Brad. There were reports about Sam Mitchell. You know, we the, the reports were that uh, he was pretty crook. Um, you know, for bits and pieces coming through from New York and some very good reporting from, uh, obviously did the interview with Pete Ryan from The Age and Glenn McFarlane from Herald Sun. Sounds like uh, when you get four types of pneumonia um, in uh, sub-zero weather in New York, uh, it sounds like he was bloody, bloody crook. Absolutely. It's very, very scary. I'm sure most people on here read uh, uh, the reports. But, yeah, the fact that uh, he went in, he was uh, released, thought everything uh, was going to be okay, and then had another horrendous, uh, you know, uh, turn in making calls to doctors overseas. I'm not sure, Ash, uh, do you know uh, uh, Dr. K, former doctor at Hawthorne who now works in Israel? I've met him once or twice, but um, he's a former Hawthorne director. Yeah, and apparently um, a very good operator. Best, mate, and a very, well, clearly a very good operator. But uh, And Anne-Marie Pulitzer, who we had on uh, on the insiders in the lead-up to the, uh, the big elections at the end of 2022, um, clearly you know, very accomplished uh, in the medical field anyway. But uh, her work came through as well, sort of almost managing his, uh, managing his health uh, from the other side of the world through a series of screen grabs from Lyndall Mitchell's phone. Quite remarkable mm. how... They made it all happen. Absolutely. And uh, must also, you know, applaud uh, uh, Simo, uh, yeah, Adam Simpson, the coach of the Eagles, who was over there at the time and he managed to take in uh, the uh, children as well. So Lindell was able to spend all the time at the hospital. It must have been a terrible experience. And then 
We read what happened at the airport at the end uh, with the high car as well. Ash, I don't know if you want to touch on that. Yeah, that well, was a fascinating story as well. Well, that'd be bad. That'd ruin your trip. That'd be enough to give you a nightmare as it is. But based on what uh, had happened to Sam beforehand, but this is just the, the this is just the epilogue: losing their pass, being having their car broken into, and their passports and their laptops being stolen as just driving around LA, waiting to kill some time before going to the airport. So. Mitchells will never forget that. Uh, will never forget that trip in a hurry. And if uh, the Hawks end up having some sort of year out of the box, this story will uh, be told over and over again before the end of the season. Um, a couple of quick questions, a couple of comments before we finish up. From Phineas, uh, a long-time regular listener on to our spaces, disappointed with the club's direction. AFLW coach should provide coaching opportunities for women, non-binary people who care. The W comp, not just providing coaching factory for blokes looking to get coaching experience, should be leaders in the comp at developing coaching. Um, I guess coaching, um, uh, coaching for women as coaches. That's a reasonable point. Um, there is a, a lot of uh, Hawthorne was a leader having Beck Goddard there for a while, and I think they've got to a stage now where if the best coach was uh, the best coach that's what they wanted to get, they probably feel they're as a group they need to take the next step. But I'm wondering whether the AFL is taking great steps to build coaching pathways for uh, women and non-binary people. I think that will continue. And, look, he will flesh out his coaching staff between now and uh, March, April, I'm sure. It'll be interesting to see who uh, joins the coaching staff. Maybe we'll have another look at that issue around that time. Um, we had um, from Dom, Oli Hanlon, Hanlon, Nation Final, we will never forget. Patrick, uh, says, I must have one of my biggest wishes for the AFLW is that they move the VFL, AFLW model closer to the AFLM, VFLM model. Um, so there's just a couple of the comments we've had so far. Um, the intra-club is next week. Um, not sure when. It'll be late next week. I suspect Thursday or Friday. It will be out at uh, Waverley. I don't have a time, unfortunately. I know that... Uh, one or more of the Hawks insiders we see a plan to be there and we will cover it in some shape or form. We will to be decided exactly um, what that looks like. I know uh, last year, Ash, you and Prinzi were on hand and we put out a pretty good uh, recollection uh, of the game you guys went to uh, pre-season. Uh, so we will definitely be covering it in some shape or form and make sure everyone gets the inside word. I can tell with complete confidence I won't be there this time, but um, Prinzi said he's going. So if worst comes to worst, we'll just get him to do a uh, to upload for five minutes on what he saw and we'll put that up. But uh, we may be able to do something a little bit deeper than that. But uh, certainly also in the sub stack, we'll have some sort of uh, written match report and written observations out of what we saw out of that as well. I'm sure Mick probably will get along to it and a few others. And uh, if you do go and you see Danny there, make yourself known to him um, and uh, be sure to contribute to whatever content we want to provide out of that game. Then there's two games against the Western Bulldogs, the game at the Witten Oval and then the game at in Tasmania, which will be on TV. We will be covering both of those reasonably extensively as well. We see, do you want to give the uh, live show one last plug? Yeah, we sold a few tickets through uh, through this space as well. So we've got 15 tickets left. So it's not a plug to try and sell the tickets because we know 100% they're going to sell out. It's a plug that if you want to come, 
and you're thinking, I'll just get tickets tomorrow or I'll wait till next week or it'll be sold out in the next 24 to 48 hours. That is certain. So avoid disappointment. It's going to be great being in the room together. Some huge names are going to be joining us. It's going to be a lot of fun and we really, really hope you can all come. Yeah, it will be loads of fun. Great way to prepare for the season. We, uh, which is getting ever closer, and uh, we're all getting very excited. Mark, it's a thirty days to go. This time, Brad, of course, even a few years ago, they'd be playing pre-season games already, but they, they don't really play them much anymore. What was that, Ash? I just missed that. Even a month out from the season, they'd be playing pre-season games up until a few years ago. It'd be full-on games on Channel Seven that you'd be watching, even five, six weeks before the season. It's all very much. Just to sneak up upon us with uh, with uh, not much football in the lead up. Absolutely, yeah. I think the clubs get a little nervous now. You know, they don't want to get any injuries before uh, the season starts. I sort of look back. I think you know, uh, uh, to the nineties. I know uh, Wacy loved the game at uh, Waverley against uh, Port Adelaide that uh, we won in the pre-season. But yeah, I used to love the pre-season competition. They used to take it really seriously. But um, I can see why the clubs don't uh, do it now. I think. A couple of preseason games is more uh, than enough now. With the way the teams train and how seriously they take training, I don't think you know those that high end you know preseason competitions really are necessary. So um, I like what they do now. I don't know about playing the Bulldogs, you know, twice in a row. I don't know if that's uh, the way to go, but you know, um, a month to go. You know, as Ash said, you know, thirty days and footy's finally going to be here. So exciting times. Looking forward to it all. That's been the, the space for tonight. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, Holly Hanrahan, for jumping on and giving us great insight into, into Hawthorne and to what he's up to these days. And if your footy coaching is your sort of thing and you've got uh, you or uh, someone close to you uh, showing a bit of talent and needs a bit of a kick-along or needs a bit of extra work, uh, we thoroughly recommend uh, giving Ollie a call and seeing how he can help that football career develop. Uh, thanks to your support of Hawks Insiders, $5 a month, $50 a year for uh, great Hawthorne online content. We'll have more written stuff coming at you as well in the lead up to the season. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back this time next Wednesday for more talk as the season really draws closer. So thanks everyone for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the weekend. And we'll talk to you next week on Hawks Insiders. Thanks and good night. This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne Footy Club coverage.